numerological hijinks ensue today on 7722. This is the 188th day of this particular orbital period, and there are 177 left until the next one. What does it all mean? Well, what you make of it? If you're one who misses celebrating an independent nation, July 7th also marks when the Solomon Islands observes Independence Day. No fireworks, please. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, puzzling over what all of it might mean. On today's program, the Virginia State Police releases crime data for 2021, and violent crimes increased statewide. The Regional Housing Partnership endorses a coalition led by the Piedmont Housing Alliance to build affordable housing at two sites to be donated by the University of Virginia Foundation. The Albemarle County Electoral Board has named a new registrar. It's been two months since the Charlottesville Board of Equalization affirmed 9 out of 11 requests to lower real estate property tax assessments, and Charlottesville will purchase land on East Jefferson Street for additional municipal parking space. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, by now, readers and listeners know WTJU's position on algorithms. But do you know that the radio station celebrates puzzles? In fact, on Saturday, August 27th, WTJU is organizing the Seaville Puzzle Hunt, a huge cerebral puzzle that will spool out across downtown Charlottesville. The Seaville Puzzle Hunt will take you and a team of your friends on a wild afternoon, running around trying to untangle five diabolical large-scale puzzles inserted into the urban landscape. The opening clue will be read at 1 p.m. at the Ix Art Park. Find out more about this WTJU-organized event at SeavillePuzzleHunt.com. The Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership is a function of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission and consists of elected officials, representatives from nonprofits, and developers. Last year, they developed the Planning for Affordability Report, intended to suggest strategies for each of the six localities to create more below market housing opportunities. On Wednesday, the group convened for one purpose. For background, the University of Virginia Foundation is offering land at three sites in the community for a partner to construct affordable housing. The foundation issued a request for qualifications in June to develop sites on Fontaine Avenue and Wortland Street. There was a pre-proposal presentation on June 22nd, led by Fred Missel, the Director of Development for the UVA Foundation. In a separate capacity, Missel is also a member of the Albemarle Planning Commission. Wednesday's partnership meeting was to vote on an endorsement of the Piedmont Housing Alliance's desire to lead a large group of partners to develop the two sites. Here's Sunshine Mathon, the executive director of the Piedmont Housing Alliance. We have pulled together a largely local team of nonprofits and, a, and a one for-profit organization to come together to um, ideally provide a holistic housing ladder with a holistic set of uh, viewpoints to make sure that we are being responsive to the broader uh, needs, not just within those two sites. That for-profit developer would be Riverbend Development, which has assisted the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority with its recent redevelopment efforts. 
Another partner would be the Virginia Community Development Corporation, and another would be 7&M Development. The letter includes more details. The development team is partnering to design, build, and operate affordable housing on both sites with a focus on a broad array of housing opportunities focused on rental housing for people earning 30 to 60% of area median income, but also including more deeply affordable rental housing, affordable homeownership opportunities, market rate housing, community amenities, and commercial space. However, many of the partnership members had to recuse themselves from the vote out of conflicts of interest. This included Dan Rosenzweig of the Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville, Sunshine Mathon of the Piedmont Housing Alliance, Keith Smith of the Piedmont Community Land Trust, which is part of the Piedmont Housing Alliance, Shelby Edwards of the Public Housing Association of Residents, and Anthony Haro of the Thomas Jefferson Coalition for the Homeless. Colette Sheehy is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at UVA. She abstained from the vote, but is not part of the development. Sheehy asked this question. Yeah, I ju just a question. That was an impressive list of local organizations involved in this space. And I was just curious, do you anticipate that there's anybody else out there locally that might also uh, propose anything? Mathon said he thought there may be another group. I think there are probably still one or two organizations which um, may, may find their way onto a different team. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Those who were able to vote to support the letter were Antoine Brinson of the Piedmont Workforce Network, Greg Pau of Pau Studio Architects, Ned Galloway of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors, Peter Holman of the University of Virginia Credit Union, Rachel Jones of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors, Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook, and Kim Highland of the Fluvanna Louisa Housing Foundation. Ian Baxter is a planner with the TJPDC, and he counted the votes. Seven yeses, zero noes, and six abstentions. One of those abstentions was Keith Smith, a realtor and chair of the Piedmont Community Land Trust. This is what this body was designed to do, and this is great stuff. The application to the request for qualifications is due on August 2nd. Will there be any other applications? The Albemarle County Electoral Board has promoted the deputy registrar to serve as the new director of elections. Lauren Eddy has worked for the Voter Registration and Elections Office for 17 years and will succeed Richard Jake Washburn who will be retiring at the end of the month. Washburn is quoted in a release saying that he can't think of anyone more qualified than Lauren to take on the role. Eddie has been deputy registrar for the past 15 years. She's a native of Albemarle County and is a Virginia registered election official, as well as a national certified elections registration administrator. It's been 51 days since the Charlottesville Board of Equalization met on May 17th, to hear appeals from property owners of their 2022 real estate tax assessments. Eleven were scheduled, but one withdrew. The board affirmed the property assessments in all ten of the cases that were heard. The owner of an apartment in the Belmont Lofts wanted the BOE to lower the assessment to $265,000, down from the $400,900 for 2022. The board agreed to lower the amount to $365,000. GIS for the property currently says 364000 
The owner of 409 Park Street in North Downtown sought reduction to $750,000, but the BOE affirmed the $914,800 assessment. The owner of 1010 Pear Tree Lane in the Locust Grove neighborhood wanted to have the assessment dropped to $265,650, but the board affirmed the $323,700 as the fair market value. HPTMI Corporation owns the Residence Inn on Millmont Street. They argued the fair market value should be more like $11.5 million rather than the $14.8 million assessed for 2022. The BOE disagreed and affirmed the assessment. When the motel was built in 1997, it was assessed at $3.8 million and steadily increased each year until this year, when the assessment was dropped by around $1.5 million. The owners of the Omni Hotel withdrew their appeal of the property's $35.8 million assessment for 2022. Like the residence in, the assessment has been dropped since 2022 due to the pandemic. There's still an active lawsuit regarding the 2021 assessment. Last year, the Omni sued Charlottesville over what they perceived as an overpayment of taxes. Read an April 2021 story by Tyler Hemmel in the Charlottesville Daily Progress to learn more. The next few are all from Ludwig Kudner, who sought reductions for several properties. You can read the details in the newsletter. In all of the properties, he claimed that the appraiser failed to take into consideration the tremendous impact that COVID had on all businesses and property owners. In all six of the cases, the board affirmed the assessment for 2022 and said that Kudner had offered no new evidence. These include the Terraces, an industrial building next to the Willoughby Shopping Center, the Ix property, and Central Place. The rate of violent crime in Virginia increased in 2021, according to new data from the Virginia State Police. Last week, the agency's Criminal Justice Information Services Data Analysis and Reporting Team, or DART, published a report for last year showing an overall increase in murders, forcible sex offenses, including rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. Here's a section from the press release. There were 16,823 violent crime offenses reported in 2021, compared to 15,713 violent crime offenses reported in 2020, representing a 7.1% increase. Here's some more of what's in that report. There were 562 homicides in Virginia in 2021, a 6.4% increase. Of that amount, 38.6% of the victims were men between the ages of 18 and 34. Over $131 million worth of vehicles were stolen in 2021, a 3.8% increase. Firearms were used in 82.1% of homicides and 48.6% of robberies. There were 123 hate crime offenses, including 106 victims in 2021. That's down 35.3% from 2020. These involve either aggravated assault, vandalism, or destruction of property. Fraud offenses were up 8.4% in 2021. Not all of the numbers are increasing. The number of burglaries continued to decline statewide, with an 8.3% drop in 2020. That's part of a long-time trend, as we learn from the report. 
In 2021, there were 10,464 burglaries and attempted burglaries, whereas in 2011, there were 27,872, representing a decreased burglary rate in the last decade from 344.24 to 120.89 per 100,000 population. Drug arrests were down 46.7%, with one major driver being the decriminalization of possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. The DART report also breaks down offenses by locality. The Albemarle County Police Department reported 4,191 total offenses and 1,527 arrests. There were no murders or negligent manslaughter, but there were 12 kidnapping incidents, 76 aggravated assaults, 99 burglaries, and 107 stolen vehicles. Charlottesville also reported no murders, but there were 3,052 offenses tracked. There were 11 kidnappings, 162 aggravated assaults, 127 burglaries, and 155 stolen vehicles. There were no murders reported in any of the localities in the Thomas Jefferson Planning District. The Fluvanna Sheriff's Office reported four kidnappings, 29 aggravated assaults, 13 burglaries, and 12 stolen vehicles. In Green, there were five kidnappings, 21 aggravated assaults, 12 burglaries, and 15 stolen vehicles. There were nine kidnappings reported by the Louisa County Sheriff's Office in 2021. There were 21 aggravated assaults, 11 burglaries, and 12 stolen vehicles. The Nelson County Sheriff's Office reported five abductions, 26 aggravated assaults, 49 burglaries, and 18 stolen vehicles. There's links to all of that in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Have you been thinking of converting your fossil fuel appliances and furnaces into something that will help the community reduce its greenhouse gas emissions? Your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, has launched a new program to guide you through the steps toward electrifying your home. Thermalize Virginia will help you understand electrification and connect you with vetted contractors to get the work done and help you find any rebates or discounts. Visit thermalizeva.org to learn more and to sign up. Thanks to Leap for the shout out. One more segment today, and sometimes it takes a while to get to everything I'd like to write about in this show and newsletter. For instance, so far, I've written several segments from the June 21st, 22 meeting of the Charlottesville City Council. These were on a surplus, appointments not made to the Planning Commission, the Central Waterline Project, and city-owned property. Is there room for one more to memorialize? And is it worth it two and a half weeks later? Yes, of course. Charlottesville City Council has authorized the city's economic development director to purchase 921 East Jefferson Street for $1.6 million. Here's Chris Engel. This parcel is four-tenths of an acre and is currently in use as a 39-space surface parking lot. Staff recommends purchase as it puts the city in control of an asset that will help with current and future parking capacity issues. Engel said one reason is to help satisfy the terms of an agreement between Albemarle and Charlottesville related to parking for the joint general district court that will be built downtown. Most of that agreement uh, spoke to the creation of a new parking structure um, 
that the city was to undertake as part of its uh, agreement with the county, that ultimately, that project was canceled, as you know, last year about this time. Engel said the agreement allows the city options to provide spaces at either the existing 7th Street surface lot or at Market Street parking garage, both owned by city government. He said either would display existing parkers and this lot would be a replacement. Engel said volume in the Market Street parking garage is not at pre-pandemic levels, but the city is currently on a waiting list for monthly passes at that structure. If the county does decide to choose 100 spaces at the Market Street garage, Engel said that would crowd out the ability of people to park there on a transient basis. So you would be, in some way be jeopardizing the, the health of the surrounding business community that relies on those spaces for, for activity. Engel said this purchase would also make up for the loss of 50 spaces that used to be underneath the Belmont Bridge that won't be coming back when that project is complete. He said the city will also eventually lose a parking lot with 61 spaces for employees at a site on Levy Avenue owned by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. In essence, if, if we were to add 39 spots, uh, we, we would still have a net loss of parking spaces in and around the downtown area. The current owner of the property is Gwyn Investors 3, a firm that bought the land in 1985 for $175,000. The land is currently assessed at $953,000, and the sales price would be over 73% above the assessment. In January 2017, the city paid $2.85 million to purchase the corner lot at Market Street and 9th Street for a new parking garage. That transaction was nearly 41% above assessment at the time. Councilor said Michael Payne said the city was wrong to have entered into the agreement with the county, but he said they should be given the 100 spaces in Market Street Garage. Quite frankly, depending on how that's implemented, I don't think that's the end of the world, but my understanding is the majority of council does not agree with that sentiment. However, he said he could support the purchase of this space if it meant keeping the two structures the city owns at the corner lot. If purchasing this resolved the court's agreement in place of building a 10 plus million dollar garage and or tearing down Lucky 7 in Guadalajara to build a surface lot, it potentially makes sense to me. Engel said he could make no guarantees, but purchasing the lot at 921 East Jefferson Street would delay that outcome. Councillor Brian Pinkston said that during his time in office to date, parking has proven to be controversial. If you talk with folks in the downtown mall, they're like, we absolutely need more parking. You talk with, you know, another uh, constituency and they're like, no, you've got plenty of parking. Pinkston said he relies on staff to provide recommendations about occupancy and utilization rates. Grabbing these 39 spaces for lack of a better, or taking advantage of this opportunity um, to, to um, acquire these 39 spaces basically is insurance um, against future possibilities. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said the property would be ready to go for the city's parking needs at a time when long-term trends are known and to wait until there is data on actual usage of the new courts. Five years from now, we decide we don't, in fact, need those parking places. Uh, we will not have, I mean, I, I think we will probably have, uh, have profited from the wait. The vote was four to one with pain against. Let's take a greater look here for a second. There is no overall parking plan for the city of Charlottesville or for Albemarle County. The University of Virginia has a parking and transportation master plan from 2019, which seeks to manage parking demand across all of their spaces. 
In June, the University of Virginia's Buildings and Grounds Committee approved a plan to move forward with a 1,000-space parking garage with a $54 million budget, but with no location yet determined. The current rewrite of the city's zoning code also provides an other opportunity related to parking. The Zoning Diagnostics and Approach Report calls for the reduction of parking requirements across the city, in addition to allowing greater residential density throughout Charlottesville. Visit the Seville Plans Together website to learn more. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for July 7th, 2022. Thank you so much for listening, and please do send it on to other people if you think they would benefit from listening to it. We are getting the podcast numbers up. We are getting the newsletter numbers up. Better, you know, Basically, this, this installment has had a lot of numbers. I'll throw one more out. 405. It's the installment for this one. We are almost at two years since I launched this, and there's been a lot of things that I have covered. I really do appreciate your subscribing to this if you have done so already. If you have not, do consider doing so so I can begin to plan for what it's going to be like in a year when I'm able to say that I'm approaching my fourth year. But for now, just approaching the third year. Uh, I guess that makes me a junior, although my dad's name was not the same as mine. Anyway, I digress, which means it is time to get on. If you do support this program, let's say through a Substack subscription, the company Ting will match your initial payment. Thank you to Ting for that. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. It is time to go to get ready to figure out what I'm going to do another one. Will there be one tomorrow? Will there be one Saturday? Not quite sure, uh, but there is still lots of information to get to. Uh, there's also planning for the Government Glance, which takes a look at the entire 5th District, and the Week Ahead newsletter, which will come out on Sunday. We've had kind of a quiet week, but that will end soon. Government never really stops, uh, and of course, neither does coverage of it. I'm Sean Tubbs, committed to doing that each and every time here on Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Goodbye.